This episode is sponsored by Free Market Kids. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Orange Hatter. Today, you'll be listening in to part three of my conversation with Ella. What is the timeline of that、uh, university guide? Yes, I would say by the end of summer is our goal. We're also working on a Bitcoin bootcamp right now, so information for that's going to come out soon, and I'll share it with you when it is. But we want to do it by the end of summer, so that you know students start school in September, late August, so that it's it's there for that. So is that is that guide and interactive? Like if they they just sort of go down a list of majors, and and if they like you the example you gave. They have a philosophy major. They click on that, and then you have a little blurb, and then a link to something else. Yes. So how how we have it right now is that it's going to be on our website, and just like you said, it'll kind of have the list of majors, and then they can click on it. Some of the components of it will be some written text about it, and then also perhaps, if applicable, a book or maybe a short YouTube video. There's more resources they could go to, and then also some good follows on Twitter. And the reason that we want to try and give them as many different methods to learn is because everyone learns differently. And so if they just click on it and they see, I don't know, maybe even two paragraphs. I mean, you spend your whole day at school reading or writing paragraphs, and so just want to make it easy for students. And if Hopping on a Twitter space with someone that we selected is what they need, or a short YouTube video, or an audio book, whatever it is. We're just trying to share that information. It's just genbitcoin.org. So I want to follow up with all the initiatives that you guys are rolling out. So you have that guidebook, but you also mention that there's a Bitcoin major that you're working on. Is that part of the same organization, or is that a side project of yours? No, it's it's not. It's a side project of mine. So I am at Cornell, and one of the things I love about being there is that in the school I am in, the College of Arts and Sciences, you can create an independent major. You write a proposal, you get a faculty advisor to support it, and then you can do it. So I, I really appreciate that about the school and how they recognize there's so much. Knowledge on campus, and everyone has a different interest, and they want to support you in doing that. And so, I am trying to put together a major focused on Bitcoin, and it's not exactly been a very easy process. I was working for a good chunk of the year with Iser on it, and unfortunately, he, I guess, maybe is not. Doing that anymore or isn't there? But I just kind of got sent an email that if I had any questions, I'd need to talk to someone else. And so I had been working for a while to try and orange pill him and、um, help him see that, you know, no, I don't want to just study the gold standard, which was <laughs> one of his early suggestions. But I have I have new found hope because I just saw a professor at Cornell has joined the Bitcoin Policy Institute. So. You know, there's people on campus now that I didn't know about that are also see the value in Bitcoin, and so if a major isn't approved, I'll do a thesis of some sort. And you know, I Bitcoin's so important. I I have two more years left to try and try and um get Bitcoin on people's radar at least. So I'll I'm gonna keep on it. That is fabulous. Can you tell me a little bit more about how? You were planning or pitching the Bitcoin major in terms of the classes that you you proposed would be necessary to complete the major. 
Yes, absolutely. And I also want to say so many Bitcoiners have been incredibly generous and kind with their time to just talk to me and hear their thoughts. And so that has just been incredible and something so representative of the community. But it all started, actually, I took a, my first course on game theory in the fall. And I, every class I was sitting there and I was just thinking about Bitcoin. This is what happens. I'm in a class and I'm I love learning. And so I'm there, but I'm also thinking about Bitcoin. And then I was talking to my advisor for cognitive science, which is what my major is officially declared as right now. And this game theory course was under the information science department. And so I was talking to him about how I would plan out my courses and what track of the cognitive science program he thought might most resonate with me. And he said, oh, you know, this game theory course sounds really interesting. All you're doing um, in information science sounds really cool. You know, we should see how we can make that a larger part of your major. And I left and I was like, okay, it sounds great. And then it just occurred to me, why don't I just make an independent major if, you know, they're already willing to be very flexible with what I'm taking, you know, maybe I put together an independent major. And so the proposal that I proposed, it was called Innovation Under the Bitcoin Standard. How do we build our future through cognitive science, information science, and economics? And so it, it sounds a little structured because the proposal had to be structured, but it was all about kind of the interactions of people, information, and markets. So how do people think, interact with information, make decisions? Really, how would Bitcoin be adopted by society? What does that look like? And so that is what I proposed. And now I mentioned previously that I've fallen a bit down the energy rabbit hole. And so I'm thinking about perhaps changing the focus a little bit, maybe trying to tighten it up so that it's more likely to be approved, but come at it from the energy perspective. So I think also climate change is maybe more well-received than money um, in big institutions, and people are more focused on the environment in some cases, I think. And so if I can come at it from actually how good Bitcoin is for energy and you know climate change and the energy transition, they might be more inclined to support the proposal in the major. Let's tie energy and Bitcoin together for the people out there who don't know what you're talking about. Can you expand a little bit more? Just real basic. Yeah. So if it's okay, maybe I'll just go to the very beginning of why Bitcoin and energy. So, and I think also context is always good. So proof of, let's start with proof of stake. So actually let's go back a little bit further even, because it's like we mentioned, it's always helpful to have the full context. So the blockchain trilemma. I don't know if you've discussed this on your show yet, but essentially with every single, I say Bitcoin, not crypto, but every single kind of cryptocurrency out there, when their blockchain is set up, there's certain trade-offs that have to be made early on. So picture in your head a triangle and on each point you have security, scalability, and decentralization. And so the trilemma piece comes in because you can only have two out of those three goals that you can really focus on. So Bitcoin is super secure and super decentralized, but Bitcoin just at its very core is really not very scalable. But you know that, in my view, is the best trade-off to have because 
Now we have the Lightning Network, which fixes that. But the other ones have sacrificed decentralization and security to enhance their scalability. And so one of the pieces with that is kind of the next topic we can touch is proof of stake versus proof of work. So to kind of create, so I think a lot of people say proof of work is how you mine the Bitcoin like gold, how you, you know, you take your, your pickaxe and you go mine, you exert energy to then get your gold, have your property. Something that's important to just recognize with Bitcoin is proof of work is really how you're securing the network, how you're making it safe, and then how the transactions are getting added to the blockchain. And your reward is the Bitcoin. And so if we just look at, you know, mining gold and mining Bitcoin, the work of kind of, sorry, I don't want to go too technical, but when you're mining gold and you're you're swinging the axe, that is the true act that would be securing Bitcoin, if that makes sense. And then the reward is the Bitcoin that you receive. So mining gold, Bitcoin, we have all this physical energy that we're exerting. Proof of stake, which all of the other cryptocurrencies use, there's no energy. <laughs> there's no mining. There's no no physical exertion of effort basically how it is it's kind of like you're buying if you think about like at a raffle at like a fair you buy raffle tickets so you can maybe win the lottery item or whatever it is the more raffle tickets you buy the greater chance you have of winning the prize that's kind of how proof of stake works the more coins the more tokens that you stake up the more likely you will get a reward back so there's couple more kind of subtleties in that, but I think that's a very easy way to explain it overall. So many people call out Bitcoin's energy usage as a huge kind of drawback. And there's a very kind of bad narrative around Bitcoin and energy. I and I think all other Bitcoiners are of the mindset that it's a feature, not a bug. So to put the energy usage in context, Bitcoin uses 2% of the world's energy consumption, and 55% of that comes from renewable energy sources. Bitcoin's energy usage is also less than that of Christmas lights. And I might get the numbers a little bit wrong here, but I think it's that Visa processes 26,000 transactions per second. So the no, sorry, I think that's right. And the total banking system uses 56 times more energy than Bitcoin. So maybe I'll say that again. The total banking system uses 56 times more energy than Bitcoin. And Bitcoin with Lightning can process so a million transactions, so many more. So I know that was quite a lot all there, but those numbers are really important to know when you hear Bitcoin and energy. Because the value you get for the energy input is just so drastically, uncomparably, you know, great. And it really doesn't use that much energy. So there's hopefully a good overview and hopefully kind of explained all right. Thank you for listening. Did you hear anything in our conversation today that you resonated with? Were you able to identify with some of the feelings that Ella had? If so, I would love to hear from you. Please send your questions or comments to my email, tali, T-A-L-I, at orangehatter.com. I would love to hear from you. Come back tomorrow and hear the rest of our conversation. Thank you. See you soon. Bye-bye.